Well, good morning, First Baptist Faith family. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Well, a few of you are still waking up. Faith family, how are we doing this morning? Good. All right, all right. Well, good morning. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here this morning. My name is Shane uh, Rosty, and I am the student ministries pastor here at the church. And whenever the elders are brave enough and full of faith to ask me to come and to to share with you uh, some from the Word of God. Uh, I view it my task to make sure that the regular speaker looks very, very good. And so if you leave here thinking, oh, thank goodness for Tom, then I have done my job. Uh, so uh, before we get started this morning, I know we've, we've been praying, but would you, would you bow your heads and just uh, close your eyes, pray with me really quickly. Dear Lord, we just pray as we look into your Word. Uh, God, we would pray and ask, would you do the teaching? Would you do the speaking? Uh, Lord, we pray that your word would say what you intended for it to say. And God, we as the hearers would receive it as you would have us receive it. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask for help with that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, <clears throat> this morning we're talking about these guys called shepherds. But before we dive into shepherds, it's really important uh, that we talk a little bit about context. And uh, the context of this, this is the only account, the only account of the shepherds is actually in the book of Luke. And Luke was written by a guy named Luke. Yeah, and Luke was called, uh, and by Paul in particular, the beloved physician. So Luke was a doctor. Luke was a highly educated man. And if you, if you look back at the beginning of Luke, um, we know that Luke was actually investigating and, and putting together and compiling the book of Luke because of a guy named Theophilus. Theophilus was funding this investigation into the person and work of Jesus Christ for the early church. And so with that in mind, I want you to, to when we think about investigations, when we think about reporting, what typically is, is in that when you report on something when you see a report on TV, what happens? Witnesses. Usually there's, there's a, like a, a, an interview, right? You interview some people who witness the things that, that you're reporting on. And so I want you to look in this, in this book. I, that's why I love the book of Luke, by the way, because you can look and find the interviews. So I want you to look as we read this passage and look for if you see any hints that it was an interview that Luke was engaging in here. And so Luke, the investigator, is going to take us into the scenario of the shepherds encountering something pretty magnificent. But before we get there, let's, let's understand a little more of the context. I think people who are looking in the early church at this book, uh, in this account of the shepherds in the fields, they would ask, shepherds? What? in the world is God doing? Now, when we read that account, do you guys do that? Eh, not typically, right? Because we, over the years and years of reading it and not, not knowing the culture behind it, we read that and think, man, the shepherds are like those in our manger scenes, and they're just pristine. They look happy to be there. They're stoked. They're, a lot of our manger scenes are smiling. They're quite carrying the staff. Like, it, it, we're going to try to write that picture a little bit, try to get some cultural understanding today of what really it looked like. How many of you seen the show Dirty Jobs? Anybody seen the show Dirty Jobs? 
um, a little older show. It was a show where this guy would go around and he would look at dirty jobs, some of the hardest, most disgusting jobs that there are in our world today. And uh, I was looking through the internet and wanted to find some, maybe some examples of dirty jobs. How many of you have had a dirty job before? Maybe a job that you were like, oh man, I, that was not pleasant memories there. But it was something that you had to do, it was a hard time. A lot of us have that, some of the really young guys are raising their hand. They're like, I hear you man, taking out the garbage was rough. <laughs> um, <laughs> there were some tough jobs, but being a shepherd was viewed as a dirty job. It probably would have been seen um, on the show Dirty Jobs. I think of some other dirty jobs that, would have, that we would see as equivalent to today as necessary jobs, but dirty jo jobs like uh, Garbage Man. You guys, would you guys agree with that? That, that seems like that's a pretty, uh, thank, thank goodness if you're a garbage man, because we're glad for you. That looks like a dirty job. It looks like a hard job. Some other jobs, um, nurses. My sister's a nurse, and she shared with me some of the things that she said, thank goodness for you nurses. If you're a nurse here, thank you, because some of the things that you do to take care of us as human beings is incredible. Um, and so a dirty job, I would say nurses. Um, I, I looked on the internet, what were some of the, the nasty jobs uh, that uh, were posted, and uh, it was uh, roadkill removal. Can you remember that job? Or can you imagine that job? Roadkill removal. Uh, have you guys seen the deer around town? It's been bad here lately, right? Those guys have been working hard. So we've been hitting some deer, those crazy deer. Uh, another one that was listed as a, as a dirty job uh, was dairy farm workers. Any, any dairy farm workers in here? Yeah. <laughs> Is it true? It's true. Okay. So being a dairy farm worker would be considered a dirty job, a dirty job, a hard one, but a necessary. And here's a fun one just for fun. I, I looked at a, a job that wouldn't be fun, a taser tester. <laughs> That's a real job. And <laughs> from what I looked at, it doesn't pay very well. That sounds terrible. That sounds terrible, a taser tester. But as we talk about these dirty jobs, a shepherd in that culture would have been viewed as that kind of job. In their culture, it would have been seen as a dirty job. So we look there, it, full of dust. In fact, let's unpack a little bit about what a shepherd um, looks like. In the Bible, the, the word shepherd is used uh, typically in two ways. Um, one, it's a physical job. A person who takes care of sheep. Yes, a shepherd, someone who takes care of sheep. Another uh, use, God often over uh, Israel, he would place leaders, and he would refer to those in the Old Testament as shepherds sometimes. And from God's use of the word shepherds, it was typically to say, you're not doing what you're supposed to do, shepherds. If you spend any time in Ezekiel, you'd know uh, that there's a couple times that the shepherds that God placed over his people didn't do a very good job. Didn't do a very good job. So we have those two uses, uh, leaders over God's people and people who take care of sheep. Throughout history, it was seen as a lowly position. You've heard that word a couple times already this morning, lowly. What do you guys think, what is a lowly, what does the word lowly mean? I'm a student ministries pastor, so this might, I might ask you crowd questions. Uh, it's what I do. So, so lowly, you don't have to raise your hand, just shout it out, lowly. What's that? 
No credentials. What else? Entry level. An average job, an everyday job. Okay, not regarded well. Not regarded well. That would be lowly, not well regarded, or, or maybe even pitied or looked down upon. Lowly, lowly. And so we hear that term to describe the shepherds, that they were lowly. Many of the sheep um, raised in the area that these shepherds were probably in charge of, um, the six miles between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, you go north anywhere from there, typically all the sheep that were raised or several of the sheep would be going to the temple um, and they would be for sacrifice at the temple. And so within that six mile range, so these shepherds were talking, probably taking care of sheep that were going to be going to the temple um, for sacrifice. It's kind of funny then that our Savior, the Lamb who sacrificed his life for us, was born in Bethlehem as well. Man, what's God doing there? Many of the sheep raised, uh, so uh, the shepherds would be like a hired hand. They would, uh, and as we're going to see here in a couple of passages, a hired hand typically didn't have like ownership over the sheep. And so they weren't super invested. They didn't have skin in the game. So oftentimes shepherds were known for when things got dangerous, they'd split. And they wouldn't protect the important sheep. They wouldn't protect the sheep. And so they were oftentimes seen as cowards. Um, they went months and months unsupervised. I was thinking about it, maybe a job that would be equivalent uh, in, a, uh, in our today's culture would be like a truck driver. And like you're away, you're unsupervised a lot of the time. So these guys spent many months unsupervised. And so because they were unsupervised, there was nobody to corroborate their word. And were often blamed for stealing the increase in the sheep. And so these guys, their title as shepherds could be liar, thief, cheat. And they'd call them lazy. You could see, not very well regarded, were they, as shepherds. Oftentimes they would lead them onto others' property. And so they were seen as people who pilfered the pilfered the produce of the land, and we know from the uh, account in Egypt, you guys remember way back when Israel was in cap captivity in Egypt, and uh, Joseph was talking to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, well, Joseph was saying, hey, I want to, uh, these are my people, and Pharaoh responded, they're shepherds? Ugh. They're going to ruin our land, right? We despise, it even says we despise or disdain Shepherds. So you see even in scripture that a lot of cultures around did not regard shepherds very highly. In fact, if you were a shepherd's family and you were selling something in the market, somebody, the general consensus was if you knew you were buying from a shepherd, it was probably stolen goods. They, so not only them, but that, that term or that, uh, that lowliness was placed upon their family. Even their family were considered lowly, criminals, liars. They, and Tom told you last week they couldn't even testify in court. Can you imagine going into court and having a judge say, I can't take your word because of your occupation. I think you're probably a liar. Boy, that would, how would that feel? Oh, man, that would not be a good day at court. These were secluded people. 
And so you can start to imagine maybe it wasn't this pristine picture that we oftentimes see during Christmas, that these shepherds uh, were lowly, lowly. And so before we get into the passage, I want you to look for this word stayed, stayed. And this is where we're going to start. Let's go ahead and read that passage there in chapter 2, starting in verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. They were terrified. So let's talk about the shepherds here. They were, what were they doing? They were out in the fields doing their everyday, mundane, dirty job, weren't they? They're every day, and that is where God met them. So what can, we, what can we see in this for us? Well, I think that many of us in our day-to-day jobs, we can get kind of discouraged, can't we? The day-to-day grind. Some of us have a dirty job that we have to continue to go back to or a job that sometimes becomes old. Maybe we enjoyed it at the beginning. But see here, the shepherds, this is amazing. God had a plan for the shepherds way back in Genesis when God said, I'm going to send my son a savior. I'm going to to crush evil with a savior someday. Did you know God was looking forward to this day that he would reveal the birth of his son to these shepherds way back in Genesis? And so what does that mean for us? If we're in a mundane boring or hard job that we have to continue in, let us not forget that God probably has a plan for us to reveal his glory in some way in us. In fact, we have that promise in Ephesians 2.10. It says that we are God's workmanship, right? Prepared for good works that he prepared for us beforehand. Man, every day should be like Christmas because God's got something for you to walk in every day. So, does that change how you view your mundane every day? Just maybe. God will meet you in the every day. You know, the second thing is, uh, what was their response to seeing the angels come? They were terrified. They were terrified. You know, it's funny... I think a lot of us get terrified when we see what God is doing in front of us and asking us to do in his name. Would you guys agree? It's like, oh man, God, are you asking me to share my faith? But what if people don't, what if I even say the name of Jesus and people will, and we get panicked, don't we? We fear what God is doing. We have, it's amazing that God is using this picture of shepherds to show us the same things that we feel today when God is showing his glory in front of us. God, are you calling me to have faith, to trust you here? I'm terrified. Oh, we have the same reaction that the shepherds do, don't we? When God is doing something and revealing something to us in our everyday. It doesn't always have to be amazing, resounding angels. But sometimes when God asks us to be faithful in the little, we get terrified, don't we? So what overcame their fear? What overcame their fear? I love it. The good news. Do you know that's the same word? We're going to look at it. It's the same word as gospel. 
good news. Let's look at it here in verse 10. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. This is extraordinary. But I want to take your attention to, uh, I have it highlighted. See where it says for you? For you. Maybe a better translation of that would be to you. And so the shepherds would hear this good news from the angels. And the angels are, are, are literally saying, was born to you. A savior was born to you. And I know the shepherds were probably thinking, wait a second, my wife isn't pregnant. To me, this isn't my kid. What? I, what's going on? Why would God say born to you or born for you? Because, and here's what, what, here's what we see, why did God choose shepherds to reveal? Why do we have this account in Scripture? Because the shepherds who better than the shepherds to represent us hearing the gospel good news? When I think of uh, when Becky and I had the twins, um, when we think of who do we like to share that good news with, who the, that we have a newborn baby. Typically, we're not going to go and, and share it with the, the people that God did. We're going to share it with the the rich, the smart, the affluent, our friends, the people we're close to, aren't we? When people in society have really big news that they want everybody to know, who do they typically grab as their public service announcement? A celeb, right? A celebrity. Why? Because that's a, they have some pull to them, right? People look at and listen to them. But here God flips that upside down and he goes to the lowliest, hardworking thieves and criminals to reveal that his son was born into this world. What is God trying to teach us? Did you catch it? God continually illustrates that it's a contrite heart that he desires. A contrite heart that he desires, that he loves to reveal himself to those who know themselves to be lowly. And maybe the reason that you don't see God moving in the day-to-day -day, and maybe even this season is because you have an overinflated view of yourself and can't see around it. And Satan's done a great job at making this season about who? About me. About us. Hasn't he? About us. And then we don't see the glory of the Lord moving. We get so worried, so stressed out. Here God is showing us that Christianity is not for the prideful or for the arrogant. It's best suited for those who are honest with themselves and able to admit that they too, like the shepherds, are lowly. Oh, church, I wish as Christians we need to get better at this. When we come on Sunday, we aren't coming here to say that We've got it all together. 
even as your pastor or as a pastor, I'm sure Tom would resonate, or as your elders, we don't have it together. We need Jesus because we too, like the shepherds, are lowly, broken, thieves, and criminals. What is God illustrating here? That the shepherds are us. And I think a lot of us, when you think of the lowly, who do you think of? Do you think of the homeless? Do you think of people who maybe, you, we always think of other people, don't we? When we think of the lowly, we think of somebody else. We think of the homeless, or we think of, and here's a, a famous picture of a little Nigerian boy being given a, a drink of water. And, and we think of, oh man, that breaks my heart. That breaks our heart, and it does as I look at that. It breaks my heart, but understand that God's view of us and his right perspective of us is that we are just as starving and just as broken and just as in need is that little boy spiritually before God. And that is why God sent his Savior for us. That we were just in need of a drink of spiritual water from Jesus Christ. Something needed to be done because we were just as starving and as broken. That's how God views us. And that's why he sent the Good Shepherd. And we know from Micah 5, 2 through 3, Tom shared with you a little bit. It was a prophecy 400 years before Jesus came. Micah said, the Savior is going to, be come, he's going to come. And then later on in that same passage, Micah says that that Savior is going to be a shepherd. Do you guys see the irony in that? God is revealing his good shepherd to a bunch of broke shepherds. To a bunch of lowly shepherds. Man, God does everything with a point, doesn't he? It's amazing in Scripture. God does everything to show us more of who he is. And so this is Jesus later on in John 10, 11 through 12. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their sheep. And then Jesus again said twice, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. There were no indications that these shepherds were good men. There were no indications that these shepherds were good men. But Jesus would come, and he would become what they could have never been, the good shepherd. And he did that in their place. He does that in our place. He did what we could never do. It's amazing that God would choose to reveal this to us. And then you see, you go back to the angels, right? The heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth to people he favors. I look back at a passage in 1 Peter 1.12 that says, It is so wonderful, it is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. I think this was a slip. I think there was just such eagerness and like dumbfoundedness in heaven at what God was doing that it was like just singing. And these shepherds got a picture at it. 
And, and the angels were like, what are you doing, God? Shepherds, really? They have no idea who this is. Really, shepherds? It's, uh, I, um, I think about it like this. It's like when Becky and I had the, the kids up in Billings, and I disappeared for a minute, and I went and invited a biker gang to come up and see my newborn babies in the hospital. Becky would have looked at me like, are you nuts? What are you doing? She'd be like, yeah, these are, I don't even know them, but I welcome it. Like, that's what God is doing. That's how bizarre this is, that God would invite these shepherds to come to Mary and Joseph and to see their little baby, their Savior. Having heard of this gift, they left everything. They left the flock to run to Christ in Bethlehem. <laughs> and uh, for you bosses, I don't know, if, uh, would you be very happy if your employee just up and left what you put them in charge of? And it was like, that's, that's irresponsible, shepherds. You're doing the very thing <laughs> that gave you the reputation that you're a thief. And they left, they freaked out and ran, and they went to Bethlehem, which is consequently was where, again, as I told you earlier, all the sacrificial sheep for the temple came from, just like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so there's a sacrificial lamb. There's a little lamb. We know that Jesus was our lamb. And, and so they got up and they booked it, man. They ran for all they were worth to Jesus. They ran to see this good news. And they left their sheep, and they forgot themselves. They forgot themselves. You ever forgot yourself? Like you were so into something that you just totally like forgot yourself? Some of you guys do this during football. I know, because you stand up and go, Woo! And everybody else is like, you okay, man? Like, you're like, that was my team. You were so into the game. You forgot yourself, right? I think about the first time that I saw, well, the, it was the second or third time that I saw Becky on campus at the college, and I looked up, and she was coming down this hill, and I was walking up this hill to go to my classes, and I just, I was like, there was nothing else, and I looked up, and I was like, oh, wow, I have to say something to her, what am I going to say, and I panicked, and like, I just forgot myself, and the words that came out were, whoa, it was cold outside, just to preface this, I said, whoa, you're a beast, <laughs> and she looked at me like, what? I forgot myself. I just, I didn't have words. Like, I, everything else faded away. Luckily, she did not, <laughs> lucky she, she, she didn't hold that against me. Well, she every once in a while reminds me, but <laughs> so those were some of my first words. Um, but these shepherds, man, they got so amazed by what they saw and the good news that they just left everything. They didn't pause and think about the consequences of this on their life, on their job. What's this going to do to their mortgage? What's this going to do to their stuff? They were so amazed at the message they heard that everything else faded away. Boy, I wish we'd do that in Christmas, don't you? That we would forget ourselves a little more. And Satan's done such a great job at making this season about us. But it's not about us, is it? It's about us forgetting ourselves in the light of his glory and grace. 
If we hear that God has come to earth and offered mankind his salvation, how could we do, how could we not do everything and anything to look at it? If we know that Jesus Christ had come to this earth to offer us, to give us his righteousness and take upon himself our sin and then die and pay the full consequences of our sin so that we can be made perfectly right with God, that's the gospel. How could we not do anything and everything within our power to know more about this story? The God of the universe did this for us. And we were lowly. We didn't deserve it. We were just doing life. We were just sitting in the fields and staying with our sheep. And here God offered this amazing gift to us. How could we not do everything we could to seek out Christ in, in any way that we could? <clears throat> Yet most people... Most Christians that I talk to haven't even read their whole Bible. Most people haven't spent the time, they say things like, I don't like to read. I don't, I, I can't pay attention. That's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to me because you know what that tells me? Do you not know the preciousness of this beautiful gift that was given to you? I, if you didn't know how to read and you heard this precious gift, it, you would have to hold me back from learning to read so that I could hear it more and so that I could look into it more. What has happened to us? Maybe we've stopped looking at the preciousness of the gospel. Interestingly, um, and here's, a, here's kind of a neat one from Tom. Well, here, let's look at the, the scripture then. When the angels had left them, and they returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off. They forgot themselves and found Mary and Joseph, who they had never met before, and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. And there's a little ingot from Tom. I'm so blessed by him. I was talking to him about this. He said, you know, the, the shepherds, Back in the day, because these were sacrificial lamb, if you know from the Old Testament, they had to be without blemish. They had to be without blemish so they couldn't be injured. And so oftentimes the shepherds, when they had a newborn lamb, they would lift it up and put it in the feeding trough to keep it from being kicked by the larger animals. What a beautiful picture of what God did with our Savior. And gosh, this, he, so many different ways he shows us so many. So what did they do? So what did they do? They went and reported this story. And I use this picture. How many of you, like this is, you either you've seen people like this or you know people like this that have absolutely no trouble reporting on every little thing that happens in their life. Sometimes whether it's wanted or not, they still report on it, Right? Because we as a culture, and the selfie culture, right, we have no problem taking, like, vacation pictures, right? Everybody knows what we did on vacation because we're quick to report it, right? Everybody knows. And, and we have no problem reporting that. It's funny, then, that in this season we have such a hard time reporting the person and work of Jesus Christ in our life. But the shepherds, again, were so dumbfounded by what they had seen. After seeing them, they reported the message. They were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up these things in her heart and meditating on them. Oh, did you catch that? 
See that last verse? Remember that interview I told you to look for? Catch it? But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart. Luke here was interviewing Mary in this passage. Interviewing Mary. And for us, maybe the fact that we have such a hard time, can we admit that we talk about what we love? Would you guys agree? You ever sat down with a mom? What do they talk about? Their kids. If you sit down with me, I'm going to talk about my kids. So it's, just not, it's not just moms. We talk about what we love and we have no problem telling anybody and everybody whether they want to hear it or not hear it. So what does that tell us about our relationship with Jesus Christ if we struggle to talk about him? If it's uncomfortable to discuss him or to bring him up, does that mean that maybe our love of Jesus is in danger? Maybe it's an indicator, especially in the Christmas season, if we have a tough time talking about Jesus. Just maybe we're having a tough time loving Jesus. So what are some ways? I get it. You can't force yourself to just love Jesus in this season. So what are some things that we can do? We can put ourselves... We can put ourselves in a position to fall back and to gaze upon the gift that was given to us in Jesus Christ. And there are so many different ways to do that. I'm going to give you just a couple of tools that I oftentimes give our students. You know, Scripture, obviously, if you read Scripture, if you meditate on Scripture daily, if you look at what God said, the whole Bible, the reason he gave it to us was to reveal himself so that we would know God. It's not a self-help manual. It's not a how-to-do-life-better manual or how-to-fix-your-life manual. It's a, it's a manual that says, look at who I am. That's, that's what God says. Look at who I am. That's what the Bible is given to us for. And so scripture, find good teaching. We all have access to the world's best Bible teachers. Tom. <laughs> and also on the internet, you guys can find some of the best Bible teachers in the world and listen to them. You can listen to their sermons on podcasts. If you can't read or if you don't like to read, you can listen to audiobooks about Jesus, the personal work of Jesus. You can read about different and listen to different uh, stories. And maybe some of you, you can go up into the mountains. Some of you, you can go snowmobiling and ponder the work and the craftsmanship of Jesus as creator. We don't have a, reporting, uh, a problem reporting our stuff. But oh, this is such a beautiful passage where Mary says, I treasure these things in my heart. This is amazing to me that Mary would treasure these things because remember also, this is way after all this had happened that, that Luke is probably going and getting this story and probably got this quote from Mary. And if you guys remember the story, there were some other guys that visited Mary, huh? You guys remember the Magi? And they were wise, many of them probably wealthy, Interesting that Mary treasured the shepherds and treasured that, the visitation of the shepherds. I think it was because it was so absolutely and totally bizarre that she looked back and said, oh man, it could only be of God that he would send a biker gang <laughs> to me in the hospital room. <clears throat> it's important to note that after seeing something so amazing, even they had to return to regular life. 
And the shepherds, if you see, and we'll look at the passage here, let's read it. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. But as we read this, I think a lot of us, as we relate, when you give your life over to Jesus, sometimes you have, well, most of the time, all of us have to go back to living regular life. And we have to figure out what on earth that means for us. And a lot of times it means doing the same things with a different perspective. And you see that here in the shepherds, don't you? Going back, they're probably doing shepherding. They're still going to be called criminals. They're still going to be called thieves. Their life is still going to be hard. But they had a hope because they had seen a Savior. And so they left glorifying and praising God. So they, a lot of them returned to regular life, but the difference was the praising and glorifying God. They saw that in the everyday and in the mundane, now they could praise God for the gifts that he had bestowed upon them and would bestow upon them. I think many of us think that when we give our life to Jesus, everything's going to be fixed, everything's going to be better, and it's just going to be, I hate to break it to you, but the scripture never, and God never promises us that on this, on this side of life, we're not going to have tears anymore. He says only when we are with Jesus will there be no more tears. What does that mean for us here? It means there's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. The Bible actually talks a lot about it. And as we think about Christmas, a lot of times it's a tough time. It's a tough season for people, isn't it? Guys, the gospel in this life and giving your life over to Jesus doesn't always make everything perfect and fixed now. But it does give you a hope that you can praise God through the suffering and through the life and through the pain until you get to go and be with Jesus. And we need that hope, don't we? <clears throat> so, the shepherds, they didn't, it, this was written after, it would still be several years before Jesus was old enough until he would be 30, until he would go to the cross and provide salvation. So these shepherds never got to see that. These shepherds probably didn't, and for 30 years they had to go back and do life regularly. Are we prepared to do that when we give our life to Jesus Christ, is to find the hope that he has given us, even in the hurt, and even in the hard times? So I've been learning a lot from Tom, <laughs> and I love that he asks, so what? And so uh, let's ask, so what, from this passage? What can we take away? I think the first thing that we can take away is to do life expecting. Do you expect God to move where you're at? As Sam pointed out, God gift, gifted us at salvation with the Holy Spirit. So now there doesn't have to be a host of angels, but instead, quietly, Holy Spirit continues to point out what we can do at our places of work and in our families and when things get difficult. He gives us those opportunities. Are we expecting him to do that? Or do we get to the end of the day and think, I never thought about God at all? <clears throat> Next. So what? Admit that you are lowly. Oh, church, there is no room in Christianity for pride or arrogance. There's just no room. 
If you understand the gospel and what was gifted to you, you have nothing to take pride in except for Jesus Christ. You have nothing to boast in except for Jesus Christ because it was by him that we were saved by grace alone. And so can you admit here, don't lie to yourself. Let us, not, let us stop lying to ourselves. We don't have it together. We need Jesus. That we are lowly like the shepherds. Would you know the good news? The thing that turned fear around for the shepherds was the good news. Do you know the good news? And can you clearly articulate the good news? Because those opportunities every day that God gives you are going to be typically being the good news and sharing the good news to everybody we come, and come across. But yet, so often, Christians, we make the gospel, the good news, so convoluted, don't we? Whether it be we bring in, to, uh, we water it down with our consumerism, or we water it down saying you have to look like me, or you have to be like me in order to follow Jesus. That's not the case. So, my challenge for you guys is, if you turned, if somebody outside this sanctuary stopped you and asked you when you leave here today, what is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? Or if somebody asked you, how do I become a Christian? What would you say to them? What would you say to them? Oh, Christians, we say so many unbiblical things when people ask us that. We say things like, well, why don't you just come to church? Well, that's fine. You can invite people to church, but you are given the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Why would you tell somebody, hold a newspaper and say, I've got incredible news. And they ask you, what is it? And you say, you're going to have to learn about it on Sunday. Why would you do that to people? Why do we do that to people? Oh, learn the good news so that we can make it as clear and as understandable as possible because it is the good news to save the world. And lastly, let's forget about ourselves. Let's forget our, about ourselves in this season. If it's all about you, maybe you need to step back and repent. And you need to say, God, oh, I'm so sorry. I've become all about me. Would you help me to deflate myself to become lowly so I can look at you and the preciousness of your gift this season? And 365, would you help us to forget ourselves in light of his glory and grace? Guys, would you stand and uh, I'll close us in prayer. Oh, dear Lord, I pray. We pray for help. God, would you show us yourself? God, would you reveal yourself to us in such a way that we would leave and live this life in praise of you? God, if we have fallen out of love and interest in you, Lord, I pray that now would be the indicator and the red flag that we would go back deeper and do everything within our power to seek you out, Jesus. Lord, would you challenge us, God, to be the bearers of the good news and to stop watering it down and making it confusing and stop making it unapproachable. Lord, would you help us to make it clear to this world because you are the hope. We are not the hope. You are the hope, Jesus. Oh, Lord, would you help us make you the most important thing this season. And thank you for revealing to us the lowliness that we have as the shepherds did have. Let us not forget that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, this is the Sunday that we give to our elders offering.